0: Welcome to another episode of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your host for today. And you know we talk to thought leaders all about going on in the food space, innovation, technology, trends. We have an excellent guest this morning that I'm so excited about. Druval Sangli is here with us. He's the CEO of Loginext, and he's got a great story and a great business. Welcome to our podcast, Drew. Thank you so much, Pam, for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. I, I know that we have a lot to talk about this morning with Loginex and all that you have going on with your business, but you didn't start where you are today. Would you give us a little bit of history of how you got where you are?
1: Sure. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a quite a long journey of last 12 years that I've gone through, starting from my very first day uh, in, in this whole technology space, right? So I call myself uh, you know, from the space where uh, all these cloud and you know, new age tech that has evolved over the last decade. Uh, 2010 uh, was the very first time when I moved to the U.S. from India. Uh, I moved to Pittsburgh in Carnegie Mellon University to, uh, to, to study and to pursue further education in these you know, uh, newer set of technologies uh, called machine learning and artificial intelligence and all that stuff, right? Now, these tech, and, and these were like largely buzzwords back in 2010, you know, they, they are still... Buzzwords to a great extent. A lot of people don't really know what these things are and how they come handy, but they are commercially, you know, very widely used. And I'll, I'll talk more about it as, as, as you know as we go uh, in the talk. But in 2010 is when I first got exposed to uh, these kind of technologies in, in Carnegie Mellon. Uh, in 2010 is when I graduated. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, you know, doing uh, taking interviews or doing interviews and applying for jobs. Professors had advised me not to use a lot of these tech words because. Uh, then I would not really get a business job. I would get a research job, which I did not want to pursue at that time. Uh, so kind of, you know, tried to change myself from a tech guy to a business guy and got a job at Deloitte, uh, which is one of the largest consulting firms in the U S across the world. In fact, and they gave me a great opportunity to uh, to work with customers, which were large scale food and beverage companies. Uh, these are companies like Coca-Cola, uh, companies were like some of these were supermarket chains like Giant Eagle and Walmart. Some of them uh, were uh, food processing giants and food delivery giants as well. And, and, and a lot of these companies were trying to reinvent themselves uh, in that era from 2012 to 2015 when I was at Deloitte. And what these guys were what these companies were trying to do was to understand what this whole e-commerce thing is. You know, what What is the new, new way of fulfilling the customer's demands. Uh, at that time, a lot of these new age food delivery companies like Grubhub, DoorDash were just starting up. I remember in 2014, Uber Eats had just launched in the US. So I was, I was doing this job at that time and advising large scale companies to evaluate what's really going in the market, how consumer behavior is changing towards not going to a store or to a restaurant, but having the food or any other items come to the consumer and and with having said that i noticed that a lot of these large companies were actually not uh, aware in terms of how big this e-commerce disruption is going to be and that's where I, I noticed that a lot of these large companies are maybe, maybe they don't really have r&d budget, they don't really have the tech capabilities to understand what this trend is and they may miss miss out on, on this whole wave but if there was one software or platform which could be uh, which could be made available to them so that they can run their business on such a software on such a new age technology then they can truly compete with the newest players like these hubs and Uber Eats of the world. And this was not just a food delivery concept. It was, uh, it was a concept prevailing and, and spreading across category of goods, be it apparels, electronics, Furnitures, appliances, anything—you know, uh, groceries—cause customers were wanting more and more for things to come to them versus them to go to the to the stores to buy it. And you know, with that logic, in twenty fifteen, I started LogiNext, um, uh, and and you know, fast forward seven years, we've been able to scale it significantly. And I'll talk more about the whole story of LogiNext as in, in in a bit. But this is the kind of background that went behind starting LogiNext.
0: Yeah, that's that's an excellent story. I was wondering, you know, a, about how you got in the food space because a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs in the food space it's because of early exposure or a great idea they saw or like you, a void they saw and and a challenge for some companies that you saw a way to fill. What did you first get started with? So as you started Loginext, what what was the demand there? What was the big Need that companies had
1: sure, and that, that is you know uh, that was a huge. Uh, I remember in twenty fifteen and sixteen, my very first uh, initial customer meetings, uh, you know, were with this company called McDonald's, which everybody obviously knows of. And you know, Logitech was just ten people strong at that time. We did not have a lot of customers in place, but we had built something which really was solving one. Key pain point for them. And that pain point was that their need to move away from food aggregators. Now, the biggest challenge McDonald's had in 2016 was that they were trying to, uh, you know, they they had an exclusive relationship with one of the food aggregators. And this particular food aggregator was charging them roughly 30% of their order value for that fulfillment that they would do. And typically, dollars kind of companies, they have 30% EBITDA, which is the net profit. So if they end up giving this 30% extra fees to food aggregators, they end up making no money on that volume of the orders or that part of their business. In 2016, it was not as big of a problem. But as we kept on talking to them more, their year-on-year ratio of their online sales were increasing. In by the time 2018 hit... McDonald's had close to 35% of their revenue globally coming from online channels okay. and all these channels were aggregators which means that they were not making any dollar whatsoever on this 35% of their business and they could see that this is just going to go larger and larger because it's a it's a non uh, you know irreversible trend that the world is moving into and that's when they kind of started doing a pilot with us now what we were doing for them to solve this pain point of you know getting the dependency out from the aggregators, we were actually helping them build their e-commerce fulfillment engine. What that meant is that they, they had their own website called McDonald's.com, but very few customers used to come there. Uh, at the same time, they did not have any fulfillment channel. That means they did not have their drivers or they don't have a fleet or any other mean to really fulfill as quickly as a food aggregator would be able to do. So what we did for them is that if you know, we offered them this logistics platform, which could allow them to accept more online orders on their website, and it would allow them to create their own own fleet of contracted drivers, which they could use on demand to fulfill a food order within thirty minutes or forty-five minutes, kind of a window. And that's exactly what was game-changing for them, where they were able to uh, they were able to start you know moving away from such a food aggregator onto their own fleet, and that is a huge cost benefit for them, and they were able to make more money their own online order fulfillment as well. So this was the key problem. This is how we kind of moved from a pure play logistics company to a food enabling or food delivery enabling company uh, from a tech perspective, from a solutions perspective. And then we kind of, you know, we we onboarded first country, which was US for McDonald's. And we kind of added, keep on adding more countries. Currently, we work with more than 20 countries across the world with McDonald's. We obviously added more customers like KFC, Burger King, Starbucks. And we are kind of adding more and more large food chains and as well as local food chains as well across the world and uh, you know, close to 85% of our revenue comes from this food industry where there's a need to move away from aggregators by implementing their own fleet of drivers and being able to make more money per order in their online channel as well.
0: Well, I have two comments about that. One is that How did you start with McDonald's as your first, you said, we're very small, we only had 10 employees, but McDonald's was the company. A lot of entrepreneurs just getting started would be totally fearful of approaching McDonald's about anything. And so I think that's an interesting thing for um, in the startup stage companies to think about, you know, sometimes those big players are the ones that have the need that you're able to fill. You can work with them i maybe you had some contacts or what, you know to be able to get started
1: with that absolutely so so with for for us uh, pam honestly we did not we were not from sales background right so none of our core team members really had any concrete large company sales experience neither did we have any food industry experience that's well, right like we were basically a bunch of you know uh, techies or coders or software folks who were getting together building something cool. And what we did is, you know, one thing that we, while we were building this product, we also coincidentally, without having a very concrete plan, to be honest, we built a great website as well. And when when I say great website, we had a great SEO. So we used to write a lot of content online about how we are building it, what kind of problem we are solving, what exactly our platform does uh, and things like that. Now that naturally used to rank us very high on most of the search engines, primarily being Google search. Very very high on some of the very you know core keywords. For example, uh, you know moving away from aggregators or a particular aggregator's name and replacement is the other keyword that you would search for. Mm-hmm. Now coincidentally, we were writing content which would talk about how to get rid of aggregators from your supply chain, from your delivery fleet, and how to build your own fulfillment center, how to grow your own fulfillment channel, and that naturally led these some of these large names to us. So McDonald's actually was we had no connect whatsoever with them. They stumbled upon our website uh, in 2017, uh, 16, 17 timeframe. I remember uh, startups was, you know, something which was picking up. So even large companies knew that they can try something out with some of these new age tech companies to see what's out there in the market. So that's how one of their uh, VPs, I remember out of Chicago office had filled a form on our website and signed up for a demo saying, that Hey, you know, I would just have love to have a quick look. We quickly jumped online, gave a very comprehensive walkthrough of our platform on what it can do. And that person was impressed with what we could do. And the next step was that they were running an RFP with multiple aggregators. And they included us as an alternative to an RFP that we would also want to move away from this RFP and kind of do one more project with a company like LogiNext. They got a special approval. They flew our team from India to the U.S. for this one-day workshop. They invited all of their team members, um, you know, and decision makers, in that one room. I remember uh, it was just me and a couple of my colleagues flying into Chicago in 2016 and and the room is full with like 25 senior folks of McDonald's we are nervous obviously but you know all we had was a great platform and we went there did a great presentation just showcased every single feature of what we have built Uh, some of the basic case studies that we had with some other some of the the smaller customers uh, and also a big uh, we, we positioned our vision in terms of what more we want to do which was very exciting for them right because they wanted to see that hunger in their supplier or vendor who offers them the next big technology which allows to solve a big problem and their company's also very hungry and of course when they when they saw me as a founder and they had access directly to me they kind of felt more confident that okay we can really trust this small company and put in some money to begin with. Uh, Last point was our pricing was like really affordable right we would always our pricing is start small and then grow big on us right so they can whenever we you know come across as a a small company or a mid-sized startup doing something we would position a very small entry point point and get a few months' work of contract done, and then we would make make it flexible. So the customer can walk out if they want, and they can aggressively scale with us if they want. And that's what I think worked out really well with McDonald's, where they decided to kind of take a bet, worked out really well, and kept on scaling from there. Those are some really
0: good keys. I think that uh, also your credibility and experience with Deloitte certainly helped you in being able to position yourself. You gained a lot of good skills. You know, I talk talk a lot about the fact that technology is one thing, your passion, you were so excited about that. but then also kind of those soft skills to be able to handle being in that room with those people and do a good presentation and not get, I'm sure you were nervous and intimidated, but not show that so that you could show more of your excitement about what you had going on at your company and what the future was, and that you did have some plans for that. That's just an excellent story. I very inspirational. I just so glad that you went through that. The other thing that I wanted to say about the McDonald's, you know, number one was what you just explained about just even getting your foot in the door and your great website and SEO helped that. But then the second part is lots of companies now are challenged with exactly that problem with the aggregate Here now, because of the pandemic, that volume you had talked about was 35% back then, which I think is pretty high. I didn't realize it was that high pre pandemic. But now everybody's ordering. We've gotten used to doing the ordering online or having the home delivery or going and picking things up. You know, that. Kind of thing so the way consumers are interacting in the food space has really changed
1: as well would you agree absolutely and i think i think one of the other trends that that has you know kind of accelerated over the pandemic is that not just the customers want to order food online they also want the food to come as quickly as possible uh, right earlier like you know i remember back in 2018 or even earlier than that, uh, while the online volumes uh, and the ratio was changing very quickly, the customers were still okay to get their deliveries in forty-five minutes, fifty minutes. These days, I think everybody wants you know the food to come in like twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, right? So the rate, this whole and the forty-five to twenty-five minute change is a significant change for a food company or for a for a restaurant chain, right? Because you cannot really you know, you have you have a preparation time, you cannot take orders from beyond a certain boundary. So you need to have a certain density of your restaurants as well from a geographical perspective. Your customer's density also has to be high enough so that you can really sustain that kind of ordering. Because if you have drivers and if you have your own fleet, you need to make sure that they are busy throughout the day to get you the right returns of the money you are paying to them. Uh, so there are so many supply and demand constraints you have to kind of balance while trying to uh, you know uh, meet meet this aggressive Uh, or ever, you know, getting more and more aggressive customer demand from a time perspective. So it's, it's, yeah, it's it's very challenging. And that's another change that I've seen over the last couple of years happening.
0: Yeah. And Druval, how is your company helping with some of those challenges? Because I know as a... The food people want to stay focused on the food. They don't want to be figuring out how to get deliveries made and all of that. How does your company help fill, again, another need that might be
1: out there? You, you pointed on the right topic, right? Because what we typically do and the way we have built our technology platform, we are, we have kind of built it around this principle of plug and play, right? Which is... Uh, you don't need to, while you have a comprehensive enterprise software which does order scheduling, route optimization, uh, dispatch automation, tracking, all these, you know. Uh, variety of fancy and, and you know complicated sounding tech stuff. We have you know made made sure that the platform is very very much easy to consume for the end user. That and for us the end user is not just the recipient of the food. For us the end user is the is the dispatch manager or the driver or the store manager in this restaurant who you know whose expertise is not to really uh, learn a software right. Their their expertise is to is, is to deliver food to their customers at the store. And they, they are already busy doing so. They don't have extra time to kind of manage other things. So for us, we have made sure that our software integrates with their existing solutions very easily, like their point of sale system, their queuing systems. You know, a lot of these chains have already existing softwares, which are sometimes very old, sometimes new. As long as they can quickly integrate, they can quickly train their managers, store managers, dispatch operations, customer service associates, drivers, all of them, their, their entire workforce very quickly. Uh, and they don't have to really do things on the software. The software does it for them. So what we have made sure is that our automation workflows, let's say a simple route optimization or dispatch automation, that means whenever an order hits, our software automatically finds the nearest driver. If there are less drivers, it automatically predicts how to make sure in the next day there are more drivers. So it onboards more drivers on its own. And at the same time, sends the customer communication proactively via SMS or email or a push notification on their app, whatever the communication medium might be. If the customer wants to reschedule, they can do it on on that SMS communication or even WhatsApp communication sometimes or even on that app. So all these, you know, multiple changes and, and, and nuts and bolts that goes behind a delivery operation, we have automated them fully, where users are not clicking buttons to do things all day long, the software is doing on its own, and user is more of a monitoring purpose kind of a user, where they're making sure things are right and focusing on what they are doing. So I think that's one of the key things that has worked out really well for us.
0: Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is you've really taken your customer in mind, and you have multiple levels of customer with your platform, right? The customer who has to use the the driver, they're not technology people. Like you said, we need to make this simple. They're busy and they've got orders to pick up, orders to deliver, they've got to be in the middle. So it has to be easy to use. And then the customer who's actually going to get the food, again, they they want results. It's got to be quick and easy. But the other piece I heard you talk about was where the AI comes in, that predictability. You're trying to take what's happening today and maybe what the conditions are and then predict what your needs are going to be moving forward. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? That seems like a really key piece of your, of your software. Right. So there
1: are so many different where our software capabilities where we use uh, the basic principles of AI and machine learning. And one of the key examples I could take, you know, in-, in line with what you asked is that typically when there is this, you know, on-demand driver's fulfilling orders you know these are contract contractors they are not full time employees of these companies right so when that happens typically we see that there's not the same number of drivers you need every day because your order volumes change pretty much every day and there's some seasonality on it there's some you know weekly trends that you see for example you know friday evening or weekend evenings you will see more orders being placed versus a weekday evening because most people are not eating out on a weekday especially you know we we see a peak waves coming during lunch hours uh, because people are ordering in wherever they are if They're working from home, working from office, they they will see a spike coming in. Now, when you have spikes of these orders at your restaurant, you need to also have more drivers being able to fulfill those orders very quickly. Now, you can't really have more drivers only for two hours a day, right? Because most drivers, even if they're contracted, they are looking for some better predictability as well, where at least they know for this entire day or for this entire week, I'm going to be doing X, right? I'm going to be working for this company. So, how do you kind of make sure that? you get the right drivers at the right time and you know some of our customers are in e-commerce space as well where they are delivering packages kind of contract level now typically package delivery has a lean period during lunch hours so we also use this ai capabilities to do cross pollination across multiple of our customers which has similar driver requirements but mutually exclusive timings of requirements Uh, and, and that's how we kind of make sure that tomorrow or day after if the demand peaks there should be enough number of drivers. And this is all calculation and decision making is done by this AI engine, which knows the historical trends and patterns of every single of our customer. We can also, we also have capabilities where customers can plug in any anticipated peak demands let's say some of our customers run you know offers over a weekend that they have a buy one get one going on for like you know or they were happy hour going on 5 to 8 p.m and things like that right so they know they're gonna expect more demand so they would plug that in and our software will pick up kind of such you know inputs and make sure they send a notification to all the drivers who historically have been willing to do deliveries during evening hours on a weekend And it will automatically also up their wages so that it attracts the drivers to kind of really take up that job. Just like how Uber has a surge pricing in their taxi business or cab business. We do similar implementations in food business as well. So we can kind of match this supply and demand. Supply is our drivers and demand is our customers' orders. And we can keep matching it as much as we can.
0: Wow. That's a lot. And and that seems like the, just the whole, this whole service. And I hadn't thought about the fact that food delivery is peak, you know, at eating times, but most places don't let you deliver. Most food restaurants or fast food restaurants, they don't let you deliver during those high peak times because they, their people are busy serving their customers and to marry those two. That's just a matter of, I guess, scale where you can sit over multiple users, you've got drivers that work across the platform rather than drivers that are hired by one store
1: or one company. Correct. Right. And, and, and you won't believe a lot of our customers, and when I say, you know, a lot of our customers are very uh, traditional organizations. So they also like Domino's is, is one of the companies we work with. Now, Domino's has been doing deliveries by their own drivers for mm-hmm. decades. Now, typically, since they never had a technology in place, their drivers used to be attached or linked to a store. So they would have like five drivers per store. It turns out even within their own network, one store may see a peak demand might, might, while others may not and you know they can practically take drivers from the nearby store and reassign them to the other store which is seeing a peak demand and which is what they call as a floating driver model. Now that was not possible without a use of a technology. Now it is possible, which is what we do for them, right? And which is a very basic change. It would look very logical for a consumer or for an, as an outsider from the food industry. But this is something most companies don't do because it requires high-tech software to keep doing this balancing act uh, based on the location, order, density, and you know timings and things like that. Uh, so that's something we do as well for them. And, and you know that's that becomes a game changer because they can truly efficiently utilize their fleet, reduce their delivery cost which is ultimately the single big purpose that we solve for our customers.
0: Yeah, especially for these customers that don't have a very large margin of profit anyway. Any bit that you can shave off of that just multiplies across the entire platform. Speaking of which, back to when you were talking about um, your software that you layer, essentially, integrates very easily. And that's a really key thing. There's a lot of companies out there. They haven't gotten to this point without having technology established in one form or another. And the fact that you can not tell them they have to throw out all the investment they've already made, let's let's talk to each other. Let's make this easy to integrate with what you might already be using that you want to keep and, and be able to do that. The other piece is you don't, they're not looking on to, you know, I, as a customer, I'm not looking to Loginex. I don't go to your website to order. I, I go to the app of the, of the company I want to order from, but it's okay. your software that you have okay. white labeled, right? I mean.
1: You, Absolutely. And that's a big advantage that our customers see, right? So ultimately we are in, in a B2B space, right? Our customers are not the end customers or individuals, our customers are businesses and they are extremely protective about the brand. So what they want to do is while they, they want to use a, a third party software like us to power their backend, the front end has to look and has to speak of their brand. So what we have done is we, you know, we, we have interesting uh, themes you can deploy and the front end, you can change the URLs, which is the links of the websites that you can you, know, you can just customize and have, have your own subdomains. Even when you are sending the alerts to the to your end consumers uh, who are the recipients of the food uh, and delivery, you don't want to go. You, know, you don't want that to go from Logitech. You want that to go from your own handle. You also want the messaging to be customized. You also may want to do some remarketing. Typically, we have seen that you know uh, our customers, customers, they are most likely to kind of accept a coupon or purchase more or share some feedback while they are awaiting a delivery or when they have just received a delivery because that's when they are engaged the most. So that's what kind of allows. Us to create that two-way communication to our customers between our customers and their customers, so that they can exchange the right information about future purchase or any feedback that they may have. Again, that that the exchange is happening on Lognext platform, but none of the parties really realize that they are actually talking on Lognext, but they're talking to each other.
0: So they get the analytics on their customers. Is that what you're saying? They so know that's one
1: of the features of our analytics module as well, uh, where we do default text analytics on any feedback that they would receive. So the first thing that the food recipient, uh, the the end customer would receive is a message that, your food has been dispatched you know it is kind of currently in the kitchen it's going to take like 22 minutes to arrive at your doorstep and then you you know when the when the driver picks up you get this whole real time tracking on a map interface you can text with the driver talk with them uh, at the same time you can also there's always a consistent uh, engagement around different questions we ask to customers if they are on that tracking app they can just look at the map and usually you close the app or the browser after you look at the track right? you're not going to keep looking at it but if a right question is asked to the end customer at that time for example you know uh, we have we have launched this new category let's say you know if you're sending burgers we also have this cafe menu which you know gives you a smoothie or an ice cream on top of it would you buy it for like additional one dollar or something like that right so that's the communication we enable while you know, while the drive while the customer is waiting for the delivery to happen, uh, and 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 this interaction is very simple, where they can do yes no, they can have a simple chat where they don't have to write the whole sentence. And of course, there's always a comment section where if they are unhappy about something, they can always kind of go and give a detailed feedback. Every day, an automated report with this analytics of all this text that their customers may have you know exchange with the drivers or just have exchange with the, with the chatbot itself gets summarized and goes to the inbox of the right people which are configured by our customers so that every evening i as an operations manager in atlanta gets a view of of what happened in my city or what happened in my network of 20 stores i had in atlanta area which i'm responsible for and if there was any customer feedback what was a key element in that? You know, who was the customer who said what? Things like that, right? So that, that's that's something we do very efficiently, and that's one of the big selling points that we have. Right
0: I would think that would be a big selling point if I was the business and and looking at a solution like this, I I would want to encourage that interaction. It's all about that connection with your customer these days. And people are living on their phones and on the apps. And if they want to engage, they can, and you're making it easy. If they don't want to engage, that's fine too. They can just close the app and wait for their food to show up. Well, I'd like to pivot just a little bit because we've talked all mostly about kind of that last mile, I guess we would call it in that's right logistics terminology where we're getting you know the last the, to the end customer the the food is going but you also work you know on the front end getting fr- food and um, doing logistics software work you know from the very source of the food to manufacturers manufacturers bit, i mean tell us a little bit about that piece
1: of your business so while we often get you know identified or recognized for our work in the last mile segment as you as you rightly did as well and that's the most relatable piece to most audience, right? but but there's a huge there's a very there's even more complex supply chain that goes behind the scenes. because most customers assume that you know that food is coming from the restaurant to me which is what they care about. But the food has to, the raw material has to come to the restaurant somehow as well. And this is all, uh, you know, perishable material. So, you know, this has to, this is like fresh produce, has to be fulfilled pretty much every day. There are quality standards around it. And not every store has the same need every day. So what we do, uh, you know, coming to the next point here is that we just don't do last mile fulfillment automation. We also enable the back end supply chain from the from the sourcing partners to the warehousing partners, and from warehousing partners to the stores. Because often of the like, most of the times uh, the the sourcing vendors and the warehousing uh, you know folks are not owned by the same brand. So let's say if I am you know if, if let's say if we are a big restaurant chain, we would have these functions outsourced. But the transportation between these. Uh, would be still enabled by me as a brand. So what we do is that we automatically every single time or every single day as the inventory of this fresh produce and raw materials goes below a certain threshold in every store, it automatically creates a new order to the warehouse and all these stores, uh, you know, their systems are synced with the order delivery system anyway. So we know how much they sold in-store versus out-store and what the inventory levels would be. All the stores at the end, with, at, at a cut-off time, will automatically create this order. And that order will get, again, optimized across multiple warehouses because not everything is coming from one warehouse. So we split that aggregated volume of demand from stores across multiple items or skus that has to be placed as orders to multiple warehouses that notification goes to those warehouses those warehouses also decide if they, they have to just approve that yes they also have the inventory in place once they approve the order automatically gets uh, gets optimized across multiple trucks usually these are semi trucks which are delivering raw materials from warehouse to the stores and typically we you know every city has about three or four such semi trucks which goes around the city every single day depending on uh, what the volumes are and that's also very important to get optimized because not every store has the same demand as i said right so uh, which store to go first you know which store uh, require will require more loading unloading time because of any structural or logistical issues there at the, time, at the point of delivery uh, sometimes stores have a preference also in terms of when they want to receive their uh, their shipment uh, so all that gets considered the route gets formed the pickup happens from the warehouse via these trucks the delivery happens to these stores every day, and again the same cycle keeps going every single day. Technically, we are actually an end-to-end transportation platform, which is how we actually sell to our customers. Because typically, most of these brands they have something as for last mile, something as for this middle mile, as they call it, something as for first mile. They have to integrate all these softwares. Their information resides into multiple data sources with multiple vendors, and it's it's just a lot of work and expensive, uh, you know, effort to really keep all this in sync and keep managing multiple partners. So. Uh, we kind of go and tell them that you start with the best part of the logistics that you want to go live with, and then you slowly expand us across your supply chain. So we become your single source of truth your single source of automation. And and that's a platform that becomes your core operating system from a technology perspective. Uh, We currently have about 30% of our customers who use us end-to-end. 70% is still using either last mile or or a couple of segments. But that's what our vision is in the next couple of years. We want to have more and more customers go live for our end-to-end platform.
0: Well, sure. And it just makes sense that seamless communication that would happen there. Also, I really like that I'm hearing you say, you can put all the different parameters in there that need to be considered. This, this used to be, and probably for a lot of places, still is a very manual job. My parents used to own one restaurant and that whole ordering was a nightmare for my dad. I remember just trying to figure out how many of this or that, and this was 25 years ago, but just thinking about multiplying that across multiple locations and larger franchises. And it, it can no longer, it, it did used to be a manual process before technology caught up. And obviously with your view of the customer, all of your customers across the entire logistics space, you're allowing them to, they're trusting you because you're taking into consideration their needs. You're helping them engage with their customers better. You're, you're calling the efficiencies into play, so that they can take advantage of those trucks and optimize the routes for them, and you know be able to meet all the different parameters that go on there. Really smart. I just love what I'm hearing, Drew. Really a great platform. It's nice. Thank you so
1: much. I really appreciate yeah.
0: that. Uh, what else? Uh, is happening in trend-wise. You know what? What's the future looking for Laja next What are What are you guys thinking about? What What are the are, What are the challenges out there right now that you're trying to tackle?
1: Uh, sure. I think the biggest challenge that we're working on right now is uh, is this uh, big challenge around uh, having a driver shortage in the industry, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, the number of drivers are not increasing. It's still an increasing trend, but it's not increasing as quickly as the uh, industry demand is increasing. So it's net net resulting into a, a, a residual openings or or you know extra additional jobs which nobody's willing to take right now uh, you know most that is creating a pressure on most companies to kind of find out different ways to hire these contractors or payroll drivers uh, could be last mile long haul drivers difference of sort and you would have seen so many billboards so many ads radio ads that you see about you know especially in atlanta i've heard like so many radio ads as well which tries to attract more drivers and there's so many logistics players in atlanta it's uh, they're, try, they're all competing for the same talent pool and it's not increasing as, as fast as they would want to. So what we are trying to do right now is we, we are actually launching this month a platform called driver hire which is one of the first drivers focused job portal which allows drivers to apply for a particular category of job by putting their own vehicle requirement of vehicle availabilities and, the, and their license uh, details and their insurance details and we match these with our existing customer base where we already know that they are losing out on business because they don't just have enough drivers to fulfill those orders. And that's something we're trying to kind of right now solve for as, as one of the big things.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great thing. I, I love the solutions that you come up with, Drew. Well, you're very, very creative. We have a driver shortage. Let's get a portal where we can feed some additional resources to our customers. And um, what a great service. And uh, hopefully that will expand and maybe bring you some more customers who say, "Wait a minute, Logitech has a driver portal. Maybe we can start using them."
1: <laughs> this happened because of our, you know, because we are very close to our customers, right? So when we go, uh, even during pandemic, we kept on meeting our customers, you know, outside of their offices, you know, as long as they were comfortable, uh, and we kept on talking to them in terms of, you know, hey, you know, w- what will help them grow their business further, right? Because everybody's hungry for growth, uh, and we we heard this common theme is that you know most customers were scared of come into their marketing teams to just go all out, uh, and you know we would typically be you know we would always, especially as startup folks, we would always be super welcoming about any new marketing technique that our marketing team does to kind of get even more customer leads, and we would just kind of sell more. Well, all of most of our customers were actually worried about that because they knew that they would not be able to fulfill and maintain their time you know, quality standards and timely deliveries. And, and if nothing else, they don't want to mess up with the, the way they treat their drivers because if they cannot manage the drivers you know, really well, that's also a challenge that uh, they don't want to face. Uh, so with that logic, we thought if you already know these how many new orders they can grab, we already know the inefficiencies in their fleet, we already know how many drivers they have. How many are churning? How many are quitting their jobs and doing something else? And we we also kind of go across our customers to see some drivers that are common where they're just changing jobs. So we realized that just by kind of adding like one more module on top of what we already are doing, uh, we are able to create a much significantly higher ROI for our for our customers by us not without us having to put a significantly extra efforts to you know rebuild a whole sort of technology and whatnot. So I think that's. That's what kind of just uh, you know helped us come with this idea.
0: Absolutely, it's just a, a marginal add for you because you've already got the whole platform built, and you can you know easily add on some uh, you know an additional piece that's going to feed in to to you already know what the needs are out there, and you can just feed that in. I would think as a driver as well who's switching jobs. Nobody wants to be switching jobs all the time. If they can find a, a portal or a or a place where they can be taken care of, they can put in. I like to work weekends and, and in the evening, and you can say, We need you over here. Wow, that's, that's right. great. Saves them the legwork too. So on both ends, it's it's a win-win. I hope that. Uh, as that launches. I'm looking forward to hearing what happens with that. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't, we've covered so many great things this morning. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. But what, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to share with the future food cast listeners and watchers? We do release the video and the audio. So I, I'm sure we can
1: go for hours and hours because there's so, so <laughs> much in common. <laughs> Well, I think, in a nutshell, uh, you know, if I had to kind of address the audience, uh, you know, for, for uh, address your audience, I think the the only thing I would leave everybody with is 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 the sense of excitement that we carry. I think this industry is uh, you know growing really fast. It's changing really fast, uh, you know, and, and it, it's going to be fundamentally uh, you know always there, right? I think this is this is a basic need that a human being has across the world. Uh, the good part is that this change is pretty much the same across the world i think that's what we typically see where we usually we have always seen that you know us is at, at the forefront of a technology change it's a it's a, it's a world leader uh, i think we are living in a time where a lot of global changes uh, you know are happening where it's happening across the world like what we see currently uh, you know our customers talking in singapore in uae in saudi in uk poland canada Uh, Latin America, you know, we pretty much see the same trends uh, across this industry, I think it's it's becoming very standard across the world. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's growing more than ever. And I think the consumer trends are also changing, which makes it kind of tough to keep keep up with that. So yeah, so there's a lot of hard work, but there's a big opportunity in front of us. Uh, and I'm very excited to be a part of this industry with, with all of you.
0: Yeah, well, it's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing what, how you got where you are, what's happening with Lodgenext, and a little bit of a peek into the future plans that you've got. We really enjoyed having you as a guest today. Thank you so much,
1: Dhrubal. Thank you so much, Pam, for a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by farm to plate the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry.